Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Secrets and Sims. My name is Carly John, and today I'll be your host, or much rather your guide into our two enthralling topics today. Today, we'll start by looking into the enchanting world of Tim Burton. He was known for being a director, producer, and a screenwriter. He is probably best known for his distinguishable, dark, gothic, and more often than not, eccentric aesthetic. Tim was born on August 25th, 1958, in Burbank, California. Growing up, Burton was drawn to horror films, and specifically ones by Roger Corman. Many of the horror films by Roger Corman featured Vincent Price, who became Burton's idol and inspiration. Burton attended California Institute of Arts and majored in animation. After his graduation, he worked as an apprentice animator for Walt Disney Studios. However, Burton only stayed at Disney for a year due to the lack of motivation and creativity he felt there. A year after leaving Disney Studios, he came out with his first film, Vincent, which he attributed to his idol, Vincent Price. Tim accredits his distinctive style of movies to not only his childhood idol, but for his high school experience. In high school, he was the loner, the outcast, the person that felt like no one liked him. It's from this that we can attribute one of the main narratives of most of his works, the outsider, the loner, the misunderstood. It reflects the gothic trope of isolation by showing what is oftentimes the main protagonist as the one who is isolated, it brings the viewer closer to the character and allows them to see who they truly are. <coughs> While watching Nightmare Before Christmas, you see Jack Skellington longing for something more and as a result becomes the outsider. You see this with Edward Scissorhands who is the outsider of Milner because of his appearance and it often leads to people misunderstanding him. You even see this in the character Sweeney Todd. Maybe not with the misunderstood part, but the sentiment still stands. In Beetlejuice, you see this with Lydia. My personality flaws are strange and unusual. I myself am strange and unusual. Burton explores things that are often viewed as strange and unusual and uses it to capture the essence of his narrative and characters but he does it in a way that addresses the misunderstandings of the strange and unusual, and he portrays it in a way that can be viewed as beautiful, even if it's not in the most typical sense of what beautiful means. I think one of the most obvious examples of this is in the music that's included in his movies. One of the most vital parts in Burton's world building is the music. It is not hard for one to notice that in practically every Burton movie directed or produced, Danny Elfman is there with a musical score. There is something extraordinary about the world in which the music creates. It is the epitome of the concept of the sublime. The sublime in literature, especially in reference to Gothic literature, is the idea of something that is both grand in nature, but also grotesque. It's the idea of something that is both terrifying and beautiful. There's something unnerving yet graceful about Burton's music that creates a bewitching effect with the listener. One of the prime examples of this is in Edward Scissorhands' Ice Dance. Ice Dance was this unimaginable, enchanting beauty, but there is something about it that seems off, that the narrative of the piece is twisted somehow. 
The piece perfectly portrays the characters, Edward and Kim, especially Edward. Edward's appearance is striking, dark, and alarming. Many people are afraid of him, especially when they first meet him. On his appearance alone, Edward resembles the concept of the uncanny. The uncanny refers to something that unsettles and disturbs the viewer, and it is often viewed as something that goes against nature. Despite his menacing features, Edward is actually shy and thoughtful. He has the heart and spirit of a child, and his greatest desire is to be normal. He only wants the best for his family and friends, and always has the best intentions, but unfortunately for Edward, his childlike demeanor is often taken advantage of, which ultimately results in him getting in trouble. It's because of his appearance, it's because his appearance is uncanny, that sadly leads him to once again become the loner at the end of the film. One of the other gothic tropes that Burton includes in some of his films is the antithesis. The antithesis is a person or thing that is the opposite of something or something else. I think one of the best examples of Burton using this in his movies and music is in The Corpse Bride. One of the main concepts and themes of the movie itself is this back and forth between life and death. Burton successfully accomplishes showing the contrast between life and death, but he takes it a step further by showing how they're not as different as they appear. Death, in this case, can also be viewed as the outsider, or especially viewed as the misunderstood. Many people fear death and have all these preconceived notions of what it will be, but Burton shows not only with his narrative, but with his music, that death is not something to fear, and that there can be some beauty and peace found with the fact that nothing lasts forever. You can see this in the song Remains of the Day. One of the main parts of the movie where antithesis is shown is with the piano duet between Victor and Emily. Separately, the chords greatly contrast each other, but once Victor and Emily start to play together, it creates something beautiful. By doing this, Burton expands on the concept of antithesis by showing that what appears to be complete opposites can actually complement each other and be rather the same in many ways. This reflects in the characters themselves, even to the most basic level by Victor being alive and Emily being dead. Victor in the audience focuses on the differences between the two, and it isn't until the scene that true friendship and care for each other begins.
think the reason why people are so drawn to Burton in his movies is ultimately the characters and the worlds he creates that surround them. There's something about having your main protagonist be the loner, the outcast, and the misunderstood that speaks to many of us because most people at one point in their life have felt this way. It touches something within us that is so vulnerable and innocent that makes us, the audience, latch onto the story. There's something about Burton's narrative that not only gives notice to the isolated, but gives them hope and reassurance. He takes things that are often viewed as negative, dark, or uncanny, and shows the audience the beauty and purity within it. He does this with topics like death, loss, sorrow, and loneliness. But he does it in a way that makes the viewer take another look and made me wonder that topics such as these are just misunderstood. <coughs> Maybe what makes Burton and his creation so special is the fact that it sends a message to the loners and the misunderstoods out there in the world that in fact they aren't alone and maybe in turn will feel less misunderstood. In this next segment, we are going to focus more on horror movies and some of the impacts they might have had on us. Rita was nice enough to share some of her experiences and thoughts, so thank you again, Rita. I really appreciate it. Um, so some of the things that we talked about was what was like the first thing that you remembered that you saw for a horror movie? Um, and for Rita, when she was seven, her cousin asked if she wanted to watch The Grinch, and it took her 30 minutes to realize while watching it that this not animated horror movie, that it was actually The Grudge. <laughs> and to quote her, uh, I was scared shitless for like two months after that. Um, personally, for me, I didn't really watch a lot of horror movies growing up. Um, when I was younger, especially as a child, but um, one of the carpool rides that I went to to go to school, uh, he was one of my neighbors, I saw that he had a DVD for Gremlins, and he kind of told me what it was about, and he said that like this one guy died and then no one really cared about it afterwards, and I think I had a nightmare about it. <laughs> And so I was scared of Gremlins, even though I never saw the movie. Um, which is funny, because when I actually did sit down and watch the movie years and years later, I actually loved the movie, and I still love the movie. Um, one of the favorite movies that Rita has had was The Uninvited, because she likes the twist. Uh, spoiler alert of her sister being a hallucination the whole time. Um, but nowadays, Rita kind of likes The Conjuring, uh, the first one, and also Possession. Um, for me, I guess, I don't know if I really have a favorite, per se, of horror movies. I do like a lot, but there are also a lot that I don't particularly like. Um, 
I guess more, I think I like more of the thrillers and kind of um, the old movies that are kind of supposed to be scary, but I don't really view as scary. Um, I'm a big fan of Alfred Hitchcock, and this isn't an Alfred Hitchcock movie, but I really like Rosemary's Baby, and I read the book before I saw the movie, and the movie did so well portraying the book that... Um, it made me and my friends kind of uncomfortable <laughs> watching it, but I really enjoyed it, and I think it's one of my favorites now. Um, some of the horror tropes that Rita was fond of was probably watching characters spiral into mental instability. Um, she really loves when like movies and books are told from their point of view, so everything's unreliable and you don't know what to believe. Um, she also likes um, having kids sing creepy songs in movies and movies with like Eldridge like monsters like Bird Box or The Witch even if she didn't think that those movies themselves were great. Um, yeah I think I do kind of like the trope as well of characters spiraling into mental instability and I really do like um, not knowing if the narrator uh, is actually reliable. That's always very interesting to me, uh, trying to figure that out. Um, I also kind of like some of the tropes of gaslighting in movies. Again, with like Rosemary's Baby, that was pretty much the whole movie was just uh, constant gaslighting. And it's very, uh, to me, I really like the tropes of just like um, the psychological torture, I guess, when it comes to horror movies. Um, more than any, more than like gore and kind of visual, um, physical kind of things. I think the phys uh, the mental torment can be almost more terrifying. Uh, some of the horror tropes that she doesn't like is kind of like when they're cliche and predictable. Um, she doesn't really like uh, horror movies that often are all about women getting hurt or abused in horrible ways. Um, and yeah, I pretty much agree with that. Um, <laughs> she also hates how many horror movies are about dolls, which with dolls, like when it comes to things like Child's Play, Bride of Chucky, um, Seed of Chucky, <laughs> I've seen parts of them, but I don't think I've really seen um, the entire movie just because even though I think Chucky can be funny, and especially with... Um, Later movies that have come out uh, with every new recent adaptation or sequel usually becomes funnier and the movies become like less serious and scary and more funny. Um, but the idea of it freaks me out and so it, I don't like to really watch the whole thing um, with cliches and predictability. That's usually one of the main problems I have with movies, especially horror movies. Um, it's really been difficult, especially in recent years, to go into a movie theater and not really predict what's going to happen. I feel like I kind of always know what's going to happen, which kind of ruins it a lot of the time. So that's one of my issues with it as well. Um, some of the phobias she kind of had from horror movies was when she watched The Grudge as a kid, and it definitely messed her up for a while. Um, she described that there's a scene where a hand comes out of the head of the shower and another scene where she pulls a clump of hair out of a bloody bathtub. 
Um, so she was afraid of both showers and baths for a while, and she doesn't, and she still doesn't like murky water, and it's definitely because of the bathtub scene. Um, I didn't really have phobias uh, from horror movies, probably just because I wasn't exposed to them too young. Um, I know, though, that my dad, he was um, kind of a teenager when the book It came out, and he had to stop reading it after the first chapter once um, the mentioning of a clown and the storm drain was brought up, because uh, he was very afraid of clowns, and he's still afraid of clowns, um, to the point where I have had It, the new one, on DVD for like over a year now and every time I go back home I ask him if he wants to watch it but he refuses to watch it because he's that afraid of clowns even though he does enjoy Stephen King and he can watch um, the old um, it's kind of TV show movie made for TV movie so I just think that's really funny um, Rita considers some of the worst horror movies like she thought uh, the Babadook was really bad, <laughs> for especially since for how popular it was. Uh, but maybe the worst she's seen recently was Mandy the Doll. Um, she said it was so bad in every way. Um, but mostly there's so many that she couldn't even begin. And I agree with that. I think one of the worst ones I ever saw was uh, Ouija. Uh, it came out, I think, when I was in high school. And I saw it with a few friends. And just instantly I kept predicting what was going to happen. It just was like all the cliches, like the blonde girl, I think her name is Debbie, like dies first right away. She technically kills herself even though it's like the ghost in her. Um, it freaked out my friends, but quietly under my breath I kept mumbling like what was going to happen next and it would happen next. Um, the characters weren't really like that likable. I think one of the main things with horror movies, it's really hard, I guess, to make you make you actually care for the characters and make them likable or at least relatable in some way. And going back to the tropes that I don't like is when they make stupid decisions that no one would make, even if they weren't in their right mind. So there's that. Um, Rita explains that how horror movies impacted her was that she's always really liked the genre, especially in book form, and her whole family gets together a couple times a year and just marathons the worst, like, $5 horror movies that they can find in one night, and it's always been popular in her family. Um, for me, I think horror movies have had a big impact in my life as well even though I didn't really watch them as a kid. Kind of when I started to get more into middle school age, I just started really getting invested in the movies. Um, but especially with the books, I read a lot of Stephen King books uh, as an example. And pretty much the only genre of books I like to read in my free time is like horror, mystery, gothic literature. That's pretty much it. Um, so yeah, um, she wasn't sure about having a favorite character in horror movies. I don't know if I really have a favorite character in horror movies either. There's definitely some that I like. Um, there's a lot that I absolutely hate, <laughs> but I kind of like the classic horror movies with like Freddy and Jason 
and kind of how they became a staple in our culture and you know no one can forget the absolute magnificent creation that was Freddy versus Jason um, for whatever reason when I was in school um, that was always on like in the mornings <laughs> so I would usually watch it before I went to school. Um, one of the favorite twists that she uh, saw in like movies was in the uninvited uh, spoiler alert where the watchers find out the sister was a hallucination the whole time uh, along with the trope, she likes the spiraling insanity. Uh, she likes when you don't really know at first that they're going insane and find out later that everyone else is not experiencing the same horrifying things the narrator slash main character is. Uh, for me, I don't really know if I have a favorite twist per se, but I think one of the things for... Um, going on the line of being unpredictable in horror movies is I really liked The Quiet Place because I couldn't really guess exactly what was going to happen next and I really appreciated that. Um, I also really enjoyed that movie. I think it's probably... I really enjoyed Us as well, but I think I might have enjoyed The Quiet Place more than Us. Um, I think it's one of my favorite ones of the past few years for sure uh just because what the guts it had to pretty much take a chance and actually not really have any audio to it um i think it just made it way more intense um watching it um especially when they did add dialogue that you could actually hear and also the music it made it way more impactful so that's just something that i appreciated so that will wrap up the podcast episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and I hope you have a good rest of your day. This is Carly signing up, off and remember to stay strange and unusual. Thank you. <laughs>